Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a, it's a good spirit in here. God is with us. Let me jump right in and say that the title of this sermon is that Jesus is the God of the lowly. So this will be the point throughout this sermon. It is that Jesus is God of the lowly. I'll say this one more time and then you got it. Jesus is the God of the lowly. And I'm using this word lowly to kind of give dignity to the category that we're all in. So would you stand with me? We're going to read a passage of scripture, and it is John chapter 13. If you brought your Bible, some of you bring actual paper Bibles. If you see anyone next to you that brought an actual paper Bible, give them a little thumbs up. That's pretty cool. I mean, we all have the apps. There's Bibles in your baskets by the chairs, and we do put it up here. But to bring your Bible, you get a thumbs up, extra credit. Listen to this passage. This is one of those passages that maybe just for me, maybe me being vulnerable, like it's lost its sense of surprise. I think the the people who were in this room when this scene went down were extremely surprised by what happened. The people that first read this story in the context of the ancient world were very surprised by what happens here. So this is John chapter 13, verse one, and it says this, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already been prompted by Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Listen to this, verse three. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. What things? All things. And so with that, like Jesus knew all things were under his power. What is he about to do? And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So verse four is like what he's about to do. So he got up from the meal. He took took off his uh, outer clothing, like his jacket. He wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. What is he going to do knowing that he has all the power from the Father? Well, this should shock you. He washes, he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's pray. God, may we understand this passage. Lord, this morning, would you give us the sense of awe, the sense of surprise that the people in this room must have thought when you, the God of all, King of kings, Lord of lords, bent down and washed the feet of those that were following you. Lord, may we enter this story and understand more about you this morning. Open our hearts, open our minds, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our vision for New Life Manitou, New Life Church, is to to make disciples by calling them to worship and 
connect and to serve. This is what we do. This is what we talk about that we call disciples. And we, we take worship very seriously. We take connecting with each other, with the city, with the word of God very seriously. We take serving very seriously. We talk about serving uh, others, our family, our church, our city, our world, going on missions, praying, interceding. We take these things very seriously. That's how we Go about making disciples. But this whole kind of uh, uh, mission statement, the why we exist statement of our church, it kind of assumes that we know what a disciple is. Like we're called to make disciples, right? But a disciple of what? A disciple is a follower. And we, of course, hopefully it, the, the assumption is obvious that we're talking about making disciples of Jesus, right? Yes, but who is this Jesus? We're in this talk, in this sermon series called Who is God? And right now we're in this particular part of the series. We're now to Easter, four more Sundays left. We're talking about who Jesus is in relation to answering this question, who is God? Well, Jesus is the most polarizing figure the world has ever known, the most fascinating figure in world history, just like taking the religious stuff out of it. Jesus um, <clears throat> is, I'm thinking about like all the things that in Jesus' name have been built, like hospitals, cities. I'm thinking about people that have been prayed for, baptized into the name of Jesus. And that same name has been used to curse people, has been used to start wars, has been used to abuse and con people. Jesus' name separates. Are you with him? Are you not with him? The image of Jesus, it's on the most beautiful pieces of artwork, stained glass windows, huge statues in Brazil. It's all over. And this same image is used for silly t-shirts. The same image is used for flannel graphs. The same image is on little bobbleheads on dashboards. Who is this Jesus? Jesus is the subject of countless books, poems, songs, movies, TV series, SNL skits. He's in uh, the, the subject of Handel's Messiah, Jesus Christ Superstar. He's portrayed as the Lion Aslan. He's in the series The Chosen, which is a great uh, series on TV. He's been called a prophet, a healer, a magician, a teacher, a reformer, a revolutionary. Who is this Jesus? We're going to be talking about this Jesus. And today I want to make note that when God came to this world, we believe that that is Jesus. And we believe that Jesus is the God of the lowly. I'm gonna have kind of two ideas in this sermon. First, going through scripture, proving to us that Jesus took this very low position, a position of a servant. When God came to this earth, that's how he was. He was like a servant. He was like a victim. He was like a loser. He was like a poor, underdog, vagrant, homeless. He's the one that those in power looked down upon, a political ra uh, radical, a street preacher. He wasn't this, this hero, so to speak, in the way that the world thinks about heroes, Jesus is the God of the lowly. Now, thinking about the story we just read, Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, I assume that most of us, if not all of us, are familiar with this story. We've heard that before. We've at least heard of it before. That Yeah, Jesus is this guy that washed his disciples' feet. 
That should surprise us. That should like make us like, wow, really? Like, isn't that the job of like a servant? In the ancient world, in fact, if you were a Jewish master and you had uh, servants, you could not ask the Jewish servants to wash someone's feet. That was, that was too, too beneath them. You would have to ask a Gentile, a non-Jewish slave, that's what could be their role of washing feet. And Jesus takes this role and washes his followers' feet. Think about how Jesus came. Usually we just talk about this around Christmas time, right? But it's, it's good to consider, like when Jesus came into this world, God Almighty, came into this world, his parents were homeless, they had no place to go, they gave birth, and it was outside, and no, it wasn't, and it was, he was placed into what? Into a manger. You know what a manger is? A feeding trough. Like, they had no place to set this child. God of gods, king of kings, placed in a makeshift feeding trough bassinet. His death, Jesus' death, he was a criminal, He was jailed, he was beaten, he was executed. The shame of the cross, dying and then placed into a borrowed tomb. I'm gonna get to this question of why, but hopefully that's kind of in the background. As I go through talking about just how lowly Jesus was, why? Why in the world would God come and be like the lowest of low? Why is that Christianity gives power to the victim. You know, uh, this uh, historian, his name is Tom Holland. He wrote this book called Dominion. And he goes through church history and the history of the world. And he says that when you have Christian influence, you have uh, the victims being raised up. Like you have the Christian martyrs who have this place in history as heroes. You have uh, people taking on victim. Like I think about the American civil rights movement, people willingly being a victim of crimes and going to water fountains, for instance, that they're not supposed to drink out of and getting arrested, becoming a victim. And then that victim becoming powerful in society and a revolution happens. Uh, this, this author, Tom Holland, says that's because of Jesus. That's because the greatest in the world became a servant and that becomes by which the example we are to live. Think about the image of a hero, like a Greek, a Roman hero. Think about a heroes in our day. What, what is it that makes a hero? Think about like one word answers. I'm going to give you an opportunity to yell. Usually in church, we just, you know, I don't, we don't like yelling in church. But think about a hero, right? A hero is what? Strong, brave. What else did you say? Courage. What's another word? Humble. No, no, a hero isn't humble. Heroes, like thinking about the world uh, and how the world sees like a hero. A hero's like mighty and strong. A hero's, what? Give, give me another answer. <laughs> Thoughtful, smart, like Brett Smart, courageous, <laughs> commanding. I think of like Jerry's commanding voice. I think of like extraordinary. Yes. And now, now we, yes, I, we do think heroes are humble. Because we come from the background of who Jesus was. But to the world, like heroes are larger than life. I wrote down some things here. Handsome, beautiful, mighty, strong, uh, courageous, uh, great leader, commanding. These are things that, that God is 
these things. Like you look at the, the God of the Psalms, mighty in power. You look at the book of Revelation, a sword coming out of the mouth of Jesus, a fire, a fire in his eyes. He's ready to rule and to reign. This is our God. He comes to the earth and what does he do? He is humble. Our, our hero, our God is humble. He's lowly. He's a loser as far as the world is concerned. Think about scenes of like the Romans and the, the warriors and going to death, like strength and honor, like give, give me a clean, a hero's death, these, these heroes. And then you look at Jesus and on his way to death, he told his own disciples that his soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. The words are recorded by Jesus, take this cup from me. He's being vulnerable with his disciples and those who would write down his story. It's, it's unlike the hero, the Greco-Roman motif of a hero. Think of Odysseus. Think of Agamemnon. These heroes, they wouldn't be with little kids, right? Like, like, like that's the work of like a nanny. And when Jesus is presented with little children, what does he say? Let them come to me. And he even makes a note like, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you got to be like these little children. The heroes of old would be like, that's, that's nanny's work. They get these kids out of here. Even Jesus' disciples were like, no, no, you little nose-picking kids, kids, don't go next to Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the teacher. He's the rabbi. Get these kids out of here. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Let them come. Jesus was the person that, you know, the, the losers of the society felt comfortable going to. Those that were sinners, those that had the bad jobs, those lowly in the world, they would come right up to Jesus. They would be with him. Those high in authority, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. In fact, like Nicodemus, one of these great Pharisees, he came to Jesus at what time of day? In the, in the hiddenness of night. It's interesting that Jesus hung out with the, with the losers it's interesting that we see Jesus weep. We read that story as, uh, uh, I think it was Jay rereading that story. Uh, we read the Bible in the mornings and we were reading through the book of John and we got to the passage where Jesus wept. Is it Jesus cried? Yeah, Jesus cried. Showed emotion. You know, we think of heroes like real men don't cry. Well, Jesus did. Real men, you know, show up and everybody knows where Jesus went around kind of saying like, hey, my time has not yet come. Don't tell anybody about me just yet. When heroes show up, they show up on like a mighty horse riding in. Jesus shows up on Palm Sunday. We'll celebrate this in a couple of weeks. What animal was he riding? A humble donkey, like a modern day like tractor like coming in. It's like, this doesn't fit the image, the motif of a Greco-Roman, Odysseus, Agamemnon hero. Jesus, fully God, King of kings, Lord of lords, comes into this world as a lowly, humble, victim, loser, servant. I'm going to get to this answer of why, at least point out some things. But why? Why is that? God comes to this world and he's, he takes that. He could have come as anything. You know, why does he come so low and humble? Think about even our modern day heroes. When I was a kid, I didn't even watch basketball. I never played basketball. But the hero, the great basketball player, uh, at least in the 90s and the 80s when I was a kid was, of course, 
Michael Jordan, Air Jordan. And I was always jumping and trying to touch stuff. I wanted Nikes because Michael Jordan had Nikes. And I just, he was like the hero. Everyone talked about him. Air Jordan, be like Mike. And we were just like, oh yeah, he's the best. He's the hero. He has everything. In fact, when he retired, he'd come back and play again. But when he retired, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls, says, here he is, Michael Jordan. He is the best. He's going to retire. And now he can do anything he wants to do. He's got all the money, all the wealth. He could buy a yacht. He gets all the cars. He can go traveling and the food and the money. And he has all this stuff, the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Like he could do anything. And and Jesus, consider Jesus fully God, God of gods, Lord of lords. He could do anything. What does Jesus choose to do? He chooses to wash feet. He chooses to serve. Isn't that interesting? Why in the world? Have you thought about that for a minute? Like why is that? That he came and he took this role of a humble servant. Why is that? Well, Jesus is the God of the lowly. It should surprise you that Jesus washes uh, the feet of his disciples. I think a lot of times we have misconceptions about who God is. In fact, uh, I finished a book this week. Uh, Philip Yancey wrote a book in the 90s called uh, The Jesus I Never Knew. Anybody familiar with Philip Yancey? It's a great book, highly recommend it. And in it, he says that there's a, he knew of a college professor uh, that was a college professor at Harvard, and he was uh, a strong Christian. And it was known that he was a strong Christian. And kids, uh, students, college students would come into his office and kind of mess with them and plop down and say, I don't believe in God. And this strong uh, Christian professor of Harvard uh, would say, well, tell me about the God you don't believe in because chances are I don't believe in that God either. And then he would try to explain, well, here's the real Jesus. You know, we have a lot of misconceptions about who God is. I think a lot of these come into play when something bad goes down, when there's evil or injustice, or we, we wonder, like pe- people wonder all the time and kind of move themselves away from God when they wonder, well, where is God in all of this? Is he just far away? Is he not, you know, subject to, is he not, uh, let me say this a better way, is he not you know, aware of what's going on? Is he just off doing something else? No, God is with us. He is able to sympathize with us. I have two ideas. So this question, like why did God, God of gods, Lord of lords, why did he come and take this role of a humble servant? Well, one idea is to fully be with us, to be one of us. The other idea is so that we can relate to him. You know, we, we, we can relate. If you've ever felt like an outcast, if you've ever felt like an outsider, if you've ever felt looked down upon, Well, these are all things that our God experienced when he was one of us on this earth. Jesus has uh, a very strong heart for those who are outsiders, outcasts, the looked down upon. Think about one of the the ways we can serve this particular group of people here in Manitou Springs. Um, I think about the the kids who are 
uh, this summer. You know, the kids are going to be allowed out of school. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of parents both work. A lot of parents can't afford summer camps. Summer camps are ridiculously expensive nowadays. Like, just de- like when I was a kid, a summer camp was like when you went and spent the night. Now it's just like a summer camp is like day camps uh, for a certain hours amount of day. And there's hundreds and hundreds of dollars for these summer camps. And we uh, want to put on New Life Manitou, I want to put on a camp for kids that can't afford. I want to put on a camp for kids whose parents are working, and I want to put on a camp right here. And so we've already planned. We've been talking with our kids, Director Meredith downstairs, and planning in June. We're going to have a, a summer camp here, Monday through Friday. Uh, it's going to be in this room, downstairs, outside. It'll be tons of fun. And we'll, we'll bless these kids. I want to invite the kids who are unchurched. I want to invite the kids who wouldn't be able to afford a summer camp if we didn't put on a free one. We want to go into the city and invite kids and then lovingly speak truth that Jesus loves you. The camp is going to be called Because He Loves Us. And we're going to need lots of help. I'll make some announcements as it gets closer, Uh, but we'll have some after church meetings. The next one, uh, the first interest meeting is going to be April 10th. And the whole vision behind it is uh, to make a camp for kids who wouldn't normally go to a summer camp because of the cost, because, um, and so we're going to bring them here. We're going to tell them about Jesus. It should be amazing because those are the kind of people Jesus hung out with, people that are alone, people, kids that would be just playing video games alone in their house all summer. Like, let's invite these kids. And there's, there's like a sense of like, if we can show them how much Jesus loves them, well, then they'll come into the kingdom. They'll see Christ. Amen. Amen. Another reason, so uh, I'm just thinking through, like, why did God come to this earth and then present himself with such a low position? Well, maybe so that we can relate to him. And I think about, um, like, we've all felt poor and an outcast and an outsider. We've all felt looked down upon. You might wonder, well, what about those who really are rich and famous? You know, how can they relate to God? First of all, are you serious? Like people, like everyone has something in their life. Everyone is suffering. Let me give you a quote uh, by a guy who starred in the best movie ever. And sometimes people think uh, like, as, as, I don't know, in conversations, people are like, well, what's your favorite movie? And I wish I had personally like a movie that I could say that was my favorite movie. And then people would be like, ooh, yeah. That movie's so cool and deep and wow, that must say so much about you, Joe. And, and instead, people ask me my favorite movie and I have to tell them, well, I really like Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> and they're like, what does that say about you? Uh, anyways, uh, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, me and my friends used to like reenact the scenes and we were like, I didn't go out drinking or drugs or sleeping around. We'd go out reenacting Dumb and Dumber scenes. Like we'd come out of 7-Eleven and be like, hey, Big gulps, huh? Well, see you later. And like, that's such a... T- Anyways, Jim Carrey is like, if anyone is famous, is, if anyone is rich and famous and has it all, like this comedian in the 90s and into the 2000s, like this guy had it all. Jim Carrey says this. Here's a quote uh, that he says. He says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. This coming from someone who we would all say, like we all would recognize him. Like he's, like he's got it all. He's famous, he's funny, he's rich, he's wealthy. And Jim Carrey would go on to say, that's not the answer. 
Think about in the world we live in of the, the people the living the, the rich and famous lifestyles. Like why in the world, sadly, is the suicide rate so high? Why is addiction and rehab, divorce, anxiety through the roof? Well, because we all, we all find ourselves poor, in need, the outcast, the outsider, the looked down upon. None of us can escape death. None of us can escape grief, fear, these real monsters of life. And Jesus comes in, God, fully God, Jesus, and he's one of us, takes on this role of a servant. And it's full, he's fully God. A couple sermons ago, we said, because he's fully God, he's fully able to save. And because he's fully human, we can fully sympathize. He can fully sympathize with us. We can fully sympathize with him because he was fully one of us. Jesus doesn't break down the door to get to us. What does Jesus do? He knocks. Jesus doesn't force us to come in and share a meal with him. He invites us. At the end of every service on Sunday, we we partake in communion. And communion is this meal that we're invited in. And to speak honestly and frank, there's there's people, many people in this world who are just like, no, I would I would never partake in communion. I, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. There's lots of people in this world say, I got it. I like, I don't need Jesus. I don't need that crutch of religion. There's many people like speaking candidly that would just push anything about God or Jesus away because they have it figured out. They think they have it figured out. But the communion meal, the life of Christ is for all of those who would be vulnerable. All of us who would say, I am in need. I cannot do this on my own. I have sinned. I have fallen short. I do need God. I do need the one who is and who was and is to come. I need Jesus. So would you stand with me this morning? The band can come forward. Brett's going to about to lead us to communion. And I want to make space and say that um, when, when Brett will lead us, this communion table, it's for anyone. I see some people who are new and, and we celebrate a communion table that's open, that Jesus is knocking on the hearts of all of us. And if we're admittant and say that we've sinned, if we confess, then Jesus is faithful to come and to heal. Let me read this prayer and then we're gonna sing these words. Erica has written this song for us, New Life Manitou, taking the, the words of uh, this prayer of confession. And would you just close your eyes? Would you hear these words as I pray them? Most merciful God, we confess, Lord, we do, that we have sinned. We've sinned, Lord, and it's against you, and we've sinned in thought, in our words, in our deeds. Lord, we've sinned by what we've done. We've sinned by what we have left of undone. We've sinned when we've not loved you fully with our whole hearts. When we have not loved those around us, our neighbors, the people we work with, the people we go to school with, the people we see, Lord, we, we were sorry. We repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus, Lord, we pray, would you have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and to walk in your ways to the glory of your name.